College football fans, are you in good hands? Because with insurance from Allstate, you'll have a winning game plan like reliable coverage and protection for everything life throws at you. Because just like how great protection can save a football game, it can also save you money. So get protected with Allstate. Visit Allstate.com or call a local agent today to learn more. Brought to you by Allstate, you're in good hands. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, oh boy, what an OU Texas. We recap it all. We also recap a few of the best games week six in college football, and we give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Sunday, October 8th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman. And my goodness, Ted, an OU Texas for the ages. Where do we even start, man? Like, where do we even begin? Uh, I don't know. Um, start in the beginning, I guess, I, <laughs> which I don't know what is the beginning, because Kickoff really isn't the beginning of that game, is it? It's really early in the week as everything starts to to ramp up to the game. Just incredible. The three out of the last four games have been just four overtimes. The comeback in 21 last year, which I guess you could say is an all-timer for Texas. And then this year, just incredible stuff. I I think we're just continue to do it how we've been doing it. Right. You break down the defense. I'll break down the offense. We got to sprinkle in some special teams, right? Because like we anticipated special teams played a huge role in the game. Unfortunately, it was not, it was not in Oklahoma's favor, especially early in the football game, but you've been able to go back and watch the tape. What did you think of the way that OU's defense played? Oh man. Um, There is so much good in there and just uh, the there's some bad in there there's some stuff that we got to work on but most of it isn't is it stuff that has you really worried um i'll start with i'll start with some of the problem areas um fourth and one early they hit us on that that tight end pop pass which is just Credit Texas. It's fourth and one. You're going to be selling out the old K state, you know, tied in blocks and then releases. They hit us on the pop pass. I mean, that was a tough one. Um, you know, really when it comes to the passing game, the, the standard drop back pass was not very good for them at all. The RPO game is where they made most of their yards. Um, cause they had a hard time protecting Quinn Ewers, most of the day the rpo stuff is 
is really where most of the problems were. They hit the over route on us a couple of times, the, the old 95, the inside release, and then angle across and, and you know, put the, the quarter safety in, in a tough spot. They hit that. There was a couple of plays. Um, you know, Canick led the team in tackles, and he had stretches of good play and then some stretches of, of some bad play that cost us in some areas. And, you know, as the game goes on and we see more and more stuff, I think his head starts to swirl a little bit, um, you know, because there were some things there that that just flat out weren't good. Um, but the wildcat play that they came in, they – you know that it's that was difficult. They they dug it out a couple of times and 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 made some nice plays there. There was one where we were just in a in a bad call that that long run that that gosh um what it's, it all comes like runs together. There was a long run late. I think it was like a twenty six yard run. Um, we only had two like bad missed tackles, and one of them was Reggie Pearson on that long run. We're in kind of a bad call for that. We got Stutzman got pinned inside, and Reggie Pearson missed a tackle, kind of like hurtled over the top of him. That was a 21 yard gain. And then we got gashed on another one where Key Lawrence missed a tackle. That was a long gain. Like, really, in the run, that's all there was. Um, so I, I just, it's one of those things again where it's, it's some detail stuff. It's not, it's not us getting whipped up front. It's not us getting whipped in coverage. It's it's they schemed us on a couple of things. Now, for things that went really good, uh, guys that played well, I got a long list here. Woody Washington, um, and he sets the tone right out of the gate. First play of the game, he, they run the bubble, and he absolutely annihilates the blocker. Uh, makes uh makes Jatavian Sanders absolutely whiff, which folks need to go back and watch about the first 10 plays or so of the game with Jatavian Sanders because he it was very bad for him. Very bad. I uh, let me jump in here. Yeah. There was no reason he should have played. Right? Watching him warm up. I stood right next to him and watched his entire warm up basically he couldn't put any pressure on his left ankle, right? I was watching him do blocking drills and warm up. He looked terrible. So I wasn't surprised in that game. Like he had, he was not effective at all. I Listen, I understand wanting to be a tough guy, wanting to show that not only for your teammates, but for NFL scouts, right? Being able to play through injury, like all that. But he shouldn't have been out there on the field. He hurt his football team. And, and I don't know, I don't know why they let him go. He he should not have been playing in that game, in my opinion. Yeah, and I don't know, I don't know what their situation is depth wise. You know, behind him, I'm I'm sure it falls off really quickly. But he got he got his ass worked by Ethan Downs. He got blown up on the goal line by Billy Bowman on that second interception. It was it was an ugly day for him. And I think the only play he caught this little bait route where, you know, they've got the two tight ends in a pair. The first tight end runs a little hook route and he runs like a little bait in behind it. Um, that's all he contributed pretty much the entire day. 
Ethan Downs, I don't know what Ethan Downs had for breakfast or what routine that dude was in on Saturday, but he needs to do that more often. He was an ass kicker out there. Motor was crazy. Um, He was slinging 78 around. He was slinging zero around. He was running to the football. I thought Ethan Downs played by far his best game of the year. Uh, How about the – how about him just screaming in Ewers' face over and over again? How cool was that? That picture of him where he's, like, screaming down on him is is awesome. And it's, like, indicative of the type of game he played. He was he was really good out there. I thought Billy Bowman was was good again. Surprise, surprise. Um, absolutely destroyed uh, Jatavian Sanders down on the goal line. Quinn Ewers hung it up there. Uh, Sanders tried to go up, and Bowman absolutely separates him from the ball. And the most important part of that play, a clean play. If he leads with his helmet, makes any contact at all with the helmet, who knows? Maybe he's ejected out of that football game in the first quarter. You got a 15-yard penalty. You don't turn the ball over. It's first and goal inside the one, right? So um, I thought that was an awesome play by Bowman. Um, I thought Kendall Dolby did some really good stuff. Um, He played some of the bubbles really good, obviously had that interception. Um, I thought for the interior guys, I thought um, Terry played his best game by far. Uh, he was great. He had a couple of really nice rushes. He, Whenever they had to put their backup center in, he was absolutely whipping that guy's ass. Uh, he was great. Uh, had a couple of really nice rushes, had a, had a tackle for loss. Um, I thought Jonah Luulu was great again. He made an awesome play. You remember one of the sacks? Did did Ethan Downs have two sacks on the day? I think he was credited with two. Um, well, on one of them, the one where he kind of grabbed Ewer's shirt and then still made the the sack, they were trying to set up a screen on the backside, a little throwback screen. And Quinn Ewers makes the play fake, kind of rolls out. And when he turns around, Luulu fit it perfectly. He comes off on a rush. The The – Offensive lineman gives him a pump or two, block, and then turns him loose, and he hits the brakes immediately, shuts it down. He knows that you're not getting turned loose, turns around, finds the running back, and is in perfect position defending the running back. Quinn Ewers has to pump it and eat it, and Ethan Downs gets the sack. And my favorite part of that play is Ethan Downs gets the sack, and you see Luulu, like, how, like, just – knows that he was a factor in the play and he's and he's happy that his buddy got the sack it's team defense it's not selfish play i thought that was awesome um here's a good sign he i don't know how many snaps he played and i don't know how many snaps he's played up to this point but 32 is coming our mason thomas is coming he had a handful of really nice plays out there He's still kind of knocking the rust off a little bit because he hasn't had a whole lot of, of full full speed game reps, but he's coming. Um, I thought Canick had – I think he led the team in tackles. As I said, he made some mistakes late in the game. I thought his play started to fall apart late, um, but he did a really good job in the box on some stuff fitting off some guys that were out of gap that got cut off that maybe misfit things and his gap was kind of 
compromise so he would fit off and help and make a play. I thought he did a good job doing that. Um, I thought Bothroyd had another, like, old man at the YMCA game. I mean, just quick-handed on some stuff, made 78, like, fall on his face almost a couple of times. Uh, had that nifty firing off the ball. Vision saw the quick and made a big tackle for loss. Uh, he's he's nails on the edge. Whether it when they're running like counter or power at him, and he's either supposed to hammer it and turn it all back in, arm it and spill it, he's always making the the right play out on the edge, and that's that's really important. Um. I thought Stutzman played really well again. Now, he misfit a run late whenever we got gashed, and I think that's the one that he Lawrence ended up having the missed tackle on, and it was an explosive run on us. But uh, he made some big hits. He had the big tackle for loss. I call it the Bosworth play. If you watch all the old boss highlights, he's, like, timing up the A-gap perfectly, and Stutzman did that on a play where they tried to run power, had a nice tackle for loss. I thought Kelly, 88, played a really nice game. If he would ever figure out better pad level, he'd damn near be unblockable because he's so strong. He plays straight up and down at times, and he's still just pushing guys back and and wrecking the middle. Um, The goal line stand. Um, How awesome was that, by the way? I mean, we've had some – the, the pick six to start off the Iowa State game, the interception to start the the Texas game was awesome. But that goal line stand, like, there's been more moments this year defensively for our fans to get behind. Isn't that just, like, so welcoming and, like, the best feeling to have? It is. I mean, that was – I mean, what's the what's the comparable moment Right, you think in recent OU football history, like that goal line stand, like that made you feel that way about the defense. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah I I don't know. And I saw I saw a couple of people put that tweet out there. Like, when is the last time an OU defense made you feel like this? And I don't know. Like for me personally, played in a bunch of football games, played on some really good defenses, and like my one of my favorite moments ever in a game that we were destroying Oklahoma state in Oh three, we had a goal line stand late in the fourth quarter to keep them out of the end zone. And it was just incredible. The crowd, it was at home. The crowd was nuts to play just what it feels like to get that type of stop. So I can't imagine at OU Texas four snaps inside the one, like how great that felt as a defense snap one. Um, Kip Lewis, I thought, was awesome on that play. He comes, he fits in there nicely. They brought the two big defensive tackles in that power eye and just tried to lead it up there. He makes a perfect fit, makes a really nice um, makes a really nice tackle. The next snap, uh, Terry and um, Desan McCullough. McCullough's like hammers it on the edge. They try and run power. He fits it really nicely. Strong, physical. Uh, Dejon Terry just wrecks through the middle of the line and they get to stop there. Uh, the third play, Ethan Downs shocks 78, throws him to the ground. Uh, Isaiah Coe firing off the ball, draws a bunch of blockers, and you have Stutzman and Deshaun McCollum make the tackle there 
on third and one. And then fourth and one, it it reminded me of the old Seattle New England play on the goal line, right? Where they didn't hand it off. They tried the the quick little little slant play. And this is kind of a play on that, except it's coming back inside on a little little inside bubble. And Billy Bowman reads it, pulls the trigger, goes up, makes the hit. Desaul McCole is playing on the edge. He reads it and turns and and turns into a factor on that play as well. Is I mean, as Toby said, it's a credit card in between there. And if Desaul McCullough doesn't react and get a little bit of pad on him, who knows if we if we get that stop? Um, so um, I thought Jacob Lacey uh, he had a sack late, which was which was really big. Um, and I got to say, I just to kind of wrap everything up defensively. I I can imagine in Texas right now they're talking about Sark running it on third and nine late instead of trying to pass and convert that first down and you know go in for the touchdown and win the win the football game. They can't protect, right? They were having a hard time. They hit some RPO stuff and credit the defense for that play call that they that they called late right that they weren't a little more aggressive because i mean that was a big moment in the game that they just kind of were a little too conservative there instead of going drop back pass and perhaps giving Quinn Ewers a little bit better of a chance um all in all there's some mistakes in there it's not perfect defense but i'm just thrilled with the fight from this team down the stretch i mean they got tired late and our pass rush fell apart late, and that's why we started to get hit on some 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 big pass plays. I think we got a little bit tired, which you know I think eighty five snaps or so is what they what they ended up playing. So and, and it it wasn't not. I, I know the weather was great, but it was still in a weird way, like it was still hot. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, one of those where it's like you come out. And it's cool and you feel good early and you probably don't think about pushing the fluids nearly as much as you do on a on a day where it's 90 degrees and maybe it catches up with you late. But all in all, another really good performance. And we're getting better and better and better. Still not perfect and it never will be, but I feel feel really good with where they're at, man. That's a that's a hell of a performance. When you consider everything, that's that's a hell of a performance. That's a really talented Texas offense. It is. Right? And I, I thought that, you know, I, I thought they were going to move the ball and score some points. And they did. But the way that OU's defense played in the red zone, we talked about how important it was going to be. And, and it was huge, right? Forcing those field goals. And credit to their kicker, man. He, he drilled a couple. Drilled a couple, yep. But I... I was just when it kind of felt like it was starting, the momentum was starting to shift Texas's way, especially late, like in that fourth quarter. That's why it, it's complimentary football, man. The mm-hmm. defense had kept a minute for however long, forced all those turnovers, right? It was the offensive turn to go win them the game. So I, I thought that all things considered, right? Especially not playing a team up to this point in the season nearly as talented as Texas was offensively. 
Thought it was pretty dang good, man. And it can be better. There's no doubt, right? They got gashed a little bit in the run game late with Jonathan Brooks. He is good, by the way. Yeah, he is. Whoa. Good player. But yeah, I I was I was really impressed. Would you a lot of people are going to know. What'd you think of yours? I thought he played I thought he played okay. You know, he he had the the interception early, which was which was not a good play. That's just um that's a I've already made it up in my mind. I'm throwing this ball no matter what, and he gets it picked off. And that's film review on the defensive side. Uh really good play. Uh the interception down to Jatavian Sanders on the goal line, not really his fault. I mean, he puts it up there in a dangerous spot, expecting his big tight end to make that play, and he gets he gets blasted. So those things are going to happen. But he also had a big fumble on a scramble. I mean, say what you want, three turnovers in that game, one of them in the deep red zone, um, one of them deep in their own territory. Those are bad turnovers, and that that really changed the game. Um, I thought we did a really good job for the most part, not letting him get out and run. But he made some really nice throws. He had he had a really nice throw on a China seven. Um, he, I think the real strength of his game is the RPO game, because whenever he makes he does the little read right here, he's got a just a flip. That's I mean it's like a, I mean it just extends the elbow and puts that ball out there, and it happens so quick that you know it, it's it's hard to defend. Um, I thought he threw a really nice deep ball late that Woody Washington was in great position on. I know Texas fans wanted a flag on that, but I thought he defended that play really well. Uh, I I think his statistics, like as far as yards and completions, I I think it looks better than what it is. Like most of those completions are RPO and shovels. You know. Drop back passing game. He hit some nice balls, but like a lot of yards came on that pop pass, the tight end pop pass where the guy's wide open. I mean, I don't know. I, how'd you think he played? He, I mean, you just can't turn it over that much in this game and expect yeah. to win. That's it. I mean, that's just kind of where, where I'm at with it, but they do have some talented guys at wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, well, I hard, was. But- you mentioned the the third down play where they decided, right, he runs it and decided instead of putting it in the air. I I mean, multiple times, if you go back, once Gentry Williams was out of the game, like they had to play Key Lawrence at corner. And they had Worthy on Key Lawrence one-on-one on the outside. And I could I, I just couldn't believe they didn't attack that matchup. I was shocked, Ted shocked i'm glad you mentioned that i totally forgot to i need to write that down because i totally forgot to mention that and i should um three safeties out there we can i walkers down at corner josiah wagner's been down at corner we lose gentry williams who's been one of our best players all season and he lords to go out there and play corner on what a lot of people think is going to be a first round draft pick at wide receiver team defense. I, 
it, it, uh, it's not shocking if someone feels a certain way about, you know, uh, I'm I'm going to expose myself by going out there and covering a player like this, and you know, but he did no no attitude, no nothing. Go out there and defend the one of the best receivers in the conference and one of the best receivers in the country. I thought that was awesome by Key Lawrence. Not perfect, but hey, you're kind of hanging on to your butts at that point, right? Exactly right, and it that it now that's something obviously to keep an eye on moving forward. Now, Gentry Williams, I saw him after the game, and it looked like it was maybe like a dehydration thing, right? Because he looked fine after the game, said he was all good, and, you know, had the classic bandage on the arm where you get an IV. So I I don't think that was – I don't think it's anything to be worried about moving forward. But, yeah, you get get real thin real quick, right? And a a much-needed bye week. At this time, so uh, I, I agree. I agree. Any, anything else defensively? Anything else, dude? So much happened. It's hard to remember all. I of know, it. I know. I've got all this stuff written down, and I can't. Some of it, I can't even remember what it is. But I think a lot of guys. I mean, pretty much everyone that played in the football game contributed in a big way. I mean, I've got almost all the guys that played snaps, I feel like, with their their name and number written down on stuff that they did well. Um, I never got to see what – I couldn't see on what Trace Ford got the penalty on because that that is a huge moment in the football game. We just get a stop. We force a third and five, right? And – who knows? Maybe they pick up the third and five and it ends up not being that big of a deal. But we give them an automatic first down and 15 yards on that final drive. Uh, that's It didn't cost us in this game, but right, who knows when it when it will. Like That's stuff we got to clean up. And I know I've, I've seen people talking about Texas and Sark said they didn't play well. And I agree with that. But this defense – we got to remember we had a block punt for a touchdown, right? And you eliminate that. This defense gave up 20. They had to kick a field goal with a minute to go to score 23 on us. And a lot of people feel like that's one of the best offenses in the country. So in my opinion, we defensively, even though it's going to go that block punt is going to go on the defense that we gave up 30 we held that offense to 23 points and i've got a list of mistakes here that are easy to clean up including that 15 yard penalty late so they could say they didn't play well all they want i i I, a lot of that most of that has to do with the way we played and prepared i feel good about it now this is the last thing i'll say now 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 you've got it all on tape right how Sarkeesian in particular thinks the best way to attack this group is. I don't know about you, Ted, but I think that these two teams are going to play again in the big 12 championship game, but this is and adjustments will be made on both sides, right? Corrections will be made, but ultimately when I watched OU's defense against Texas's offense, this is the comforting thing that I took away from it. OU's defense was the more physical group. Mm -hmm. 
They're yeah. the more physical group. Now, it, it was a back and forth. Don't get me wrong. Texas made a lot of plays, right? They've got good players. There's no doubt. But at the point of attack, I thought I thought OU was the nastier group. And it's Evident. been, dude, it yeah. feels like it's been a long time since I could just say that about an OU defense. And that's what that was my big takeaway from the defensive performance. Yeah, the fourth or the goal line stand was incredible, right? For, forcing the turnovers it's massive in that football game. But just the the overall physicality and honestly, just the emotion that they played with. Like that was it was fun to watch. And it made me think like that group's not a finished product. They're only going to get better and they're going to be a better group when they see Texas again in December. I agree. Now, if, if number zero is healthier for them, that's going to make a factor, but I, I still feel like we're in a good spot. I really do. Um, and you're right. I, the line is like, I feel like our defense was the better unit. I mean, you can play somebody and get gashed and get lucky on some turnover stuff and keep them to a low number. That wasn't the case. Really what happened is we shut their ass down for a big portion of the football game, got tired late, gave up some things late, got injured at corner, you know, so some of that stuff was a factor. I feel I feel pretty good with where we're at. I'm with you. That's it. Nothing else. <laughs> Not for now. I mean, sure, something's going to pop into my head any minute now, probably. Well, well when it pops into your head, just <laughs> go ahead and jump in and, and let that thought out. All right, let's talk about what we saw from OU's offense against that Texas defense. But first, Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind Casino is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of October, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on all gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that prize drop 10 cents per gallon across the country. The Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Amore. Dude, you're nailing it. I, I love it. You're nailing it. Feels and good. celebrate with a Schooner All-American Ale, the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coop Aleworks. Named after the iconic Sooner Schooner that races across Owen Field after an OU score, you can join in on the celebration with an ice-cold beer from Coop Aleworks. You can enjoy it at the Palace on the Prairie, at OU Athletics events, at the bar, at the tailgate, and in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit SchoonerAle.com. Must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste 
of game day. All right, OU offense versus the Texas defense. Here's where I want to start, Ted. You work all year long for the opportunity for it to come down to the last drive in the Cotton Bowl to go beat Texas. That's what all the work in the winter's for. All the reps in spring ball. All the summer workouts. All of training camp. That is what you are working towards. And for them to be, to have that opportunity, minute 17 to go, ball in your hands, go win the damn game. For them to execute in that situation is fantastic. It's fantastic football. And it was interesting. I had multiple coaches after the game tell me on the field, we worked that exact situation in practice multiple times this week. We ran that exact sequence of plays and we took what we did on the practice field and went and executed it at a high level, right? When all the pressure was on, that's what it's all about, man. Uh, I mean, you work those situations in practice over and over again. And to, for Dylan Gabriel to do what he did, right? To make those throws, to make those plays. I told him after the game, gave him a big hug. I said, dude, you're going to be a legend forever for that drive. That's how it works, man. And he just looked at me, the big old smile. He was like, oh, man. I was like, forever. People will never forget it. And it was, I mean, it's one of the best drives in OU football history. That's what it is. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what it is. How much fun was that, dude? It's incredible. And for for it to go down the way that it did, like you said, the coach is talking about practicing that exact sequence of plays. It's what it's what you dream of as a coach. Because no, like the biggest thing obviously is you have the success and that's great for everyone. But it shows the players like this is why we do what we do every day. Right? And then you go and you watch it on film and it just, it seeps in and as more and more of those situations happen, the buy-in becomes stronger and stronger with your football team. Love There's it. no doubt. There's no doubt. Now let's just go through each position group, how we have in the past. Uh, Dylan Gabriel mentioned the, the game winning drive, but 23, 23 or 38 for 285 and a touchdown. I thought he had some awesome throws on out routes and comebacks all the way across the field. Ted, I I thought he showed some really good arm strength in those situations. Legs, his legs may have been the difference in the football game, right? What he did, not only scrambling, but there was a lot of called QB run. And some people may, it may look like a scramble, but there was, there there was QB draw. There was some read game, like, Lebby, I thought Lebby did a really good job of getting to some plus one runs against that Texas defensive front, right? Get an extra hat in the blocking scheme. And the easiest way to do that is direct snapping the ball to Farouk like they did and running that bunch truck play. And then I just realized truck is keywords and runs. It's like down and around. So pin pulls, truck, tractor, stuff like that. It's usually down and around 
So getting out on the edge, that's what they were running with Farouk. Mm-hmm. Now, Dylan Gabriel, was it perfect? No. But man, it was it was really dang good. I thought that he did a really good job on the called runs, whether that was the draws, they ran some QB gap scheme. He ran with toughness. He played with attitude, saw some speed on the 44 yarder, but the the final drive is where he was at his best, right? I mean, to open it up, throws an absolute strike right in between two inside linebackers to Drake. Then he goes with a long comeback throw all the way across the field to Farouk, right? Farouk gets some extra yards after the catch. The the next throw to Drake, he avoids pressure, keeps his eyes downfield. Yep. Keeps his eyes downfield, maybe thinks about running, but sees Drake come wide open. There's a massive play. Uh, then he gives Nick Anderson a chance down the sideline. They get called for PI. Then it's the QB draw. And then you find Nick Anderson for the game winner. Right. And he, I mean, the pocket's collapsing on him. We'll get to Walter Rouse blocking two guys on that play. Oh, that was awesome. I saw that that tweet you put out. So sweet. So that's big time stuff. But he feels it and just kind of trusts that Nick Anderson's going to be there. Puts it back there. He's wide open. Ball game. I Statistically, it's not his best game ever. I don't care. This is – you go into that setting and you make the difference, the type of difference that he made in this game. It is undoubtedly his best performance for me since he's been at Oklahoma, I thought, I thought he was the difference in the football game, right? Not taking anything away from OU's defense, but the way that he played, the way he carried himself, the key plays he made, I thought he had the biggest influence on OU winning this football game, right? And he's the quarterback. That's, that's how, that's what comes with the position. But man, I was happy for him. That was that was an awesome performance that people are going to remember for forever. I totally agree. He made he made some incredible throws, and that last one, you know, he made a lot. He made a lot of throws under pressure, stepping up in the pocket with things collapsing around him, pushing the ball downfield. I I thought that was great. And none more evident than that final play of the game where you're talking or final play for the offense on that drive where he's got pressure. It's kind of piling around him. He steps up into the mix. It looks like he's going to get sacked and trust the route sees they have like a little um, a two man rub or pick game kind of going on where they're trying to get the the defenders mixed up and it works perfectly. They get mixed up. They both cover the same route. Nick Anderson, the six foot four guy, is wide open. The one you leave open on the the back line of the end zone and just a perfect throw, a great catch in the perfect spot. How awesome are those camera angles from that corner of the end zone? I I would imagine Nick Anderson just screaming right in that ESPN camera right in his face, and he's just like screaming as loud as he can. You got to put that on a t-shirt somewhere. Just fantastic. It was awesome. It was just a great moment. I mean, what a moment. 
not only for DG, but for Nick Anderson, I mean, and for the entire football team. Now, let's go to wide receiver. I thought it was Jaleel Farouk's best game of his career at Oklahoma. Whatever, it's similar to what you said about Ethan Downs. Whatever Farouk did before this game, he needs to do it every game. That is as fast and as physical as I've seen him play. And let's be real, man. He had a look about him before this game, right? I know a lot of people have seen the video by him welcoming all challengers from the, the John, Texas Longhorns. You see the Jon Snow comparison? That's, That's awesome. exactly what it looked like. Yeah. But he, he did some really nice things as a runner. I liked them getting him the football in the direct snap situations, getting him out on the edge. What he had five for 130. As a receiver, had the big catch down the sideline on another great ball Woo. from Dylan Gabriel. But the thing that I love about Farouk, man, he plays the position with toughness, with physicality, and he did his damage after the catch, right? And those, those yards may not feel like they're that big of a deal, but those wear on a defense, man. And it was catch, break a tackle, get extra yards. I, he looked so sudden with the ball in his hands. It's as twitchy as I've seen him look out there. And I just, I love the way he played. I thought he was awesome. I agree. Here's what I think is, is really, really cool. One of our best things as an offense and one of our best things as a defense are the same exact thing. Defensively, you almost are wasting a snap and likely to go backwards when you throw a bubble against our defense. They kick the shit out of wide receivers on the edge that are trying to block them. It ain't close. On the offensive side, our wide receivers block their asses off when we throw the bubble. The bubble is just easy. Can they can they get off a block and can they run and they can they tackle? It's the easiest way to test the defense and just their fundamentals. And those plays for us are still an extension of the run game and still, like, you can break one at any moment. I think that's that says a lot about this football team. I'm with you. It's kind of just a physicality play, right? Yep. Like, hey, are and you tougher than – You just transfer in the physicality from the inside where usually people do it to the outside. It's the same game. Yeah. Hey. Can you whoop the man across from you? That's what it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, in its simplest form, that's what all those bubble plays are. So, guy that's pretty good at him, Drake Stoops, whether it's out of the blocker or catching him, but had the two massive catches on the game-winning drive, right? Because, of course, he he's Drake Stoops. He always shows up when you need him, right? They, they even, so awesome. and this is why I love Drake, and I can't imagine he loves it, but they're like down around by the goal line. They're putting him in the backfield. He's the guy running the split action, going and blocking the end man on the line of scrimmage on split zone. Like just dude is tough as nails, just throwing his body around. I mean, it's, it's just what he does. Now DG missed him on a couple important situations. Don't get me wrong, but still overall, I, all that guy does is make plays in big moments for Oklahoma. Just fantastic. I agree. And he's one of those that we're going to miss. And 
if you just if you didn't know better and you just are going through the roster checking height and weight easily replaceable right no not going to be easy easy easily replaceable he's an absolute stud he's a coach's dream he's been fantastic this year and i loved how often he was getting in texas this guy's face it was just fantastic to watch I loved it so much. Now, Andrell Anthony, I thought he did some really good stuff. Man, some really nice comeback routes, was playing fast. It's clear that guy's got speed, man. But really, I think our takeaway from Andrell's performance is like, is he all right? Because, and this is where my hope is that the MRI will come back and that the football gods will take care of him because he got hurt because he was playing with great effort, extra effort on a play, right? DG escapes pressure. He takes off running. Anthony busts his tail to turn into a blocker, is battling, and then kind of the knee, it looked like it just gave out on him. Yeah. My hope is that he will be rewarded for the extra effort. And then it won't be that bad, and we'll see. Ho- hopefully, he's not gone for too long, but did not look good out there, it, but kind of just have your fingers crossed, right? Yeah. It looked a lot like Justin Harrington's. Now, yeah. Justin Harrington's, like, he's coming down from the from the second level and is engaged with a blocker, an offensive lineman, just for a brief moment, and then you see him, his leg just kind of bite on him, kind of had the same type of feeling there. Um Hopefully you get good news. Here's the thing, man. We've got some young guys that have played well and have been trying to, you know, find find just little areas in the game to chip away and get some reps and, and make a contribution. Well, if the news isn't good with Andrew Anthony, someone's going to have to step up and be a consistent player in a in a much larger chunk of snaps. So it, it's it's unfortunate for Andrew if it if it's bad, but like this is part of the game and this is what it means to be a team. Someone has to step up and carry that burden. Yeah. Hopefully he's okay, but we'll, we'll see. We'll we'll see whatever uh, Venables has to say when we get an update there. Uh Nick Anderson. If you are, if you're going to have one catch for three yards, might as well make it a three-yard catch to be Texas. I, he, I I thought he did some good things. I thought he was playing fast. I thought he was he was physical out there as a blocker when he was put in those situations. But sometimes the ball doesn't find you until it does. That's right. And it's easy to have a catch. Hey, I have to imagine that thing was just floating to him in slow motion. Oh, my gosh. That's the worst whenever you have time to think about it. It's like, oh, my gosh, here it comes. I'm wide open. This is the game winner. All you have to do is catch the perfect pass. Uh, you'd like, you'd prefer for it to be on you and you just react and catch it. But uh, awesome by him. And he's one of those guys I'm talking about. You know, if if the news with Andrew Anthony isn't good, going to have to step up and fill that void. No doubt. Um, only other guy is... Well, Jaden Gibson almost had a highlight reel catch on the deep ball, but we saw him get out there when Andrell went down. But you mentioned it. Bigger role for Gibson moving forward if Andrell Anthony is out. So we'll see. He's going to get his opportunities, right? Yep. I know he is a guy that has been eager for more. Yep. Right? So 
we'll, we'll see, but he may uh, end up being a very integral part of what they're doing offensively moving forward. All right, running back, Tawi Walker. Listen, he may not be the most dynamic guy we've ever seen here at Oklahoma, but this is where I'm at with it. There's just no doubt he's this team's best running back for me. I don't know what's going on with Javante Barnes. I I don't know what's going on with Sawchuck. But of all the dudes, he goes out there and gets yards and infi- inflicts pain on defenders and is solid in blitz pickup. Right? You look at the numbers, what, like 15 for 46? Some tough runs, man, but had the two touchdowns. Guy is a weapon around the goal line. He is, he's just really hard to tackle. And I don't think defense is like when they hand him the ball. No, I know they don't. So I, I I don't expect him all of a sudden to start ripping off 150 and 200 yard games, man. But with what I've seen up to this point, he's got the best vision in their concepts, right? He's hitting the open hole way more often than Marcus major is. And he's the most physical. So I I don't know what the balance is going to look like at the running back position moving forward, but unless my eyes are lying to me with what I saw in the Cotton Bowl, he's definitely this team's best running back. He's he's incredibly consistent week by week by week. You know exactly what you're going to get from him. You're going to get a tremendous amount of effort all the way to and through the whistle. Uh, He's going to be physical. He's going to be tough. He's going to step up and stone guys and blitz pick up. I'm with you. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know if a game-breaking back emerges this season. Maybe maybe that's it's not going to happen. Maybe Barnes or Sawchuck get some of that burst back that we, we saw a year ago. Um, I don't know. But for the time being, I'm with you. He's game in, game out, the most consistent guy we've got. Yeah, and you look at Major, like he couldn't get much going in the running game in this one. And that would, that obviously had a lot to do with Texas defense. But I just, he doesn't have the same feel that Tawi Walker. I, I continue to think that getting Major, the ball out there on the edge in space is like where he's at his best. Mm-hmm. But I did think he ran hard. He was playing fast. He protected the football, which is huge as well. Because a lot of times guys were, they were coming after the ball when Marcus Major was carrying it. But overall, I just feel like Tawi is hes the best right now. Now we'll see how that whole situation develops moving forward, but that leads us to an O-line conversation. I, I would say that I am – I try to be as fair as I can when it comes to the O-line, right? I know that I'm pretty critical of that group as a whole, it's because I have high expectations for him. I was really proud of how the way that this group played. It, it Listen, you can go through all the plays. You can pick out plenty of bad stuff, man. There's a lot of bad from some individual guys at points in time. But what I did appreciate was they played with great energy. They were physical as hell. When they, when they were swinging and missing, man, they were swinging. And I can live with that. Sometimes you swing and miss as an O-line. 
but the toughness cannot be questioned. That's by far the best defensive line they've played, and they didn't flinch. Now, there is a lot to clean up, but I loved how they competed. And Texas got credited with the sack. It wasn't a sack. It was a TFL on QB draw. Get out of my face with that sack stuff. Ridiculous. But did a really good job for the most part in protection. I thought Dylan Gabriel did a great job of trusting them and sitting in the pocket and just being patient. And then I thought the run game stuff from Levy was good, right? He is, he's doing a really good job of building off those variations of inside zone. Split zone, you know, kind of just basic inside zone, zone insert, had a little outside zone sprinkled in there, got to some of the pin pull concepts with the direct snap. A lot of different things with DG as a runner, right, in the QB run game. I mean, I just, I thought he kept Texas off balance with everything that he threw him. And that doesn't even factor in all the shifts and motions that he was implementing pre-snap, which caused a ton of communication from Texas's defense. And I, I think in a lot of stuff, he ended up getting an extra hat and some of the stuff he called for Dylan Gabriel. And that was important, but did you, do you have any, before I go through the individual alignment, do you have any, any thoughts on just what you saw from Levy overall? Yeah, I, I thought, I thought it was a really good game plan. Um, I, I thought what you mentioned about Dylan Gabriel, I think is, probably the most important factor with how he played he trusts the offensive line and when there starts to be a little bit of chaos instead of pulling your eyes down and just what's everyone want to do they want to get outside right uh pull your eyes down from the rush get outside to try and find some safety and see what you can do there he instead of doing that trust it he knows the read is there i just need account more step up into the chaos and trust your guys and deliver the football when you start to see a quarterback do that i think that means some good things are really about to happen yep all right walter rouse he's playing banged up right and even though he's playing banged up i thought he was really good and he had to play the game in my mind dj's game winner to Nick Anderson, they bring the corner from the boundary. He's blocking his defensive end. And then, and this is something you see the best tackles in the NFL do, right? They just call it, hey, take the hit off the quarterback. It's basically you hang on as long as you can to your DN, and then you sacrifice an arm and try to get a piece of the guy that is a free blitzer, and you try to take the hit off the quarterback. Well, that's not what Rouse did. Rouse just blocked them both. One with his right arm, one with his left arm. It was awesome. You you do not see that very often. And it was an incredible individual play. It's an incredibly intelligent play from him. Just fantastic individual effort, right? And those are the types of plays that decide football games, right? That's a big damn deal, man. And Dylan Gabriel probably gets sacked if he doesn't do it. And who knows what happens in that situation, right? Because then you're scrambling. The sack there is not good. Not good. Very bad. (laughs) Right. And uh, other than that outstanding play, I did. I thought he played really, really well 
especially with him being a little hobbled. He is, he's the best we've got with his hands. The guy just, he gets his hands in good position and he refuses to let go. He grabs the absolute hell out of guys and I love it. That's how you play offensive line. Right. Hands on and you ain't getting them off you. I mean, he, I love it, but just think about the the play everyone thought was holding in the Kansas City Chiefs game on was that Sunday night, uh, right? Whenever the guys like just sitting there and the offensive lineman's got him right here, right? You that's, know what that you know what that is? That's called getting locked up, Ted. That's it. That that's ain't it. holding. You people are ridiculous. All right, Troy Everett saw him for I think I charted it twenty five plays, did some nice things. His bad plays were bad, right? We knew, and we knew it was going to be a tough matchup for him. You looked at the size that Texas had in the interior of that defensive line. Troy's just undersized compared to to Vondre Sweat, right? But this is what I'll say about Everett, and it it stood out to me, and it's something that, you know, just being down, it's one of the advantages of being down there on the sideline during the game. That dude is encouraging the hell out of those other guys. Right, Caden Green goes into the game for him. He's talking through every play, every scenario, encouraging him. He's encouraging the entire line. He's going up and down the sideline, like getting people going. Like that that may not that may not matter to some people, but I like that. Right? Guy played 25 snaps, gets pulled, but is still like in the game, in the fight encouraging his guys also i like his attitude he seems like a fun dude to be around <laughs> but well, i stuff like that i mean chemistry matters on a football team for sure it, it matters rarely do you win anything of consequence if you don't have a big group that love each other and it's very easy to get to not play well at times get pulled from the game and someone else goes in and secretly not want that person to perform well, right? Or or pout about being pout. pulled out of the game. You sit you sit and pout. I've seen plenty of guys do it. Yep. And that's not what he did. And I he deserves credit for that. Caden Green. So Ted, I want you to put you, you know, now you played in this game as a true freshman. I did not. Twenty five plays. Out. Yeah. Twenty five <laughs> plays into the game. Bill Biedenbow just decides to throw the true freshman out there. That typically doesn't happen. No. And what he did is not normal. He went in and it was not perfect. He still needs to work on his footwork. If he could just get his feet right, he's going to be in such, he's going to be in such, such more powerful positions. Right. But dude, all things considered, that dude went in there and balled. I mean, against guys that are going to be early round draft picks. And <laughs> one last criticism. He goes in second play. He's in. And I can't believe it. Marcus major ends up having to, I think his best run of the day on the play. They're They're running outside zone to the left. They're flying off the football. What does Caden Green do? He goes right <laughs> and smokes Andrew Rabe in the side of the face. 
and rave goes twirling and fly oh it's just but it was like a gate of eight <laughs> but after that he settled in man and to be thrown in the game like that to hold your own against that defensive line and there's some snaps where he's straight up getting after guys and these guys are juniors seniors redshirt seniors like that is fantastic stuff if he can get his footwork right man he is going to be a monster at guard because the hands are good the strain is good the physicality is good the mindset like the attitude it's all good get the feet right and i'm telling you man the sky is the limit for him in the interior is you think he played himself into a starting spot? I I think w- when you think about where they're at in the season, right, it's clear he is a more he's a more physically gifted player than Troy Everett. Right? He's bigger. I mean, just I mean, look at the guy. You've got these two weeks, right, to get him ready. Like, to get him acclimated, if you want him to be your starting guard. You've got two weeks to get him ready. And I I don't know what's going on with the Savion Bird situation. Who knows? But he did. He never at any point looked like a guy that was about to go in the football game. So, I, I don't know what's going on with that entire thing. But if you're going, and I don't want to say, hey, you got to prepare to play Texas again and like you got to start that preparation now, but it's kind of how I feel, man. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to see them again, you need Caden Green at guard, not Troy Everett. And, and then that's really nothing against Troy. It's more, hey, Caden needs to get the reps, right? Not only in practice, like he's he's going to get better if he gets to go out and play. Right and handle the stress and everything that comes with playing in a game. So, yeah, I think I think you got to take a long, hard look at making him the starter for sure. Because in my mind, like you got to have that. Hey, we're going to see the Longhorns again, kind of in the back of your mind. And I'm sure you'll get to it, but we probably got some right guard issues. Correct. So. McCade Matoyer, we'll just go straight there. Uh, different week, same stuff from him, man. Just consistent. Know exactly what I'm getting from him. Physicality was good. Now, he struggled in the run game. At times, got pulled a little bit, but you know he's battling Sweat and Murphy like they're good players. Hate that he got hurt. But I saw him after the game on the field. He was on crutches and in a boot. And I said, how bad? And he said, not that bad. So... He looked like he was moving okay out there. He, so, so it's funny. Hi to McCade's dad, who is a listener to the pod, of the pod. He told <laughs> me on the field after the game. Hi, Mr. Matoya. I hope you're doing well, sir. He, so I guess he's broken that leg before, right? So that was, I think it was more a, now obviously it's, it's a bad sprain, right? Mm. But they'd even pulled the air cast out and I was like, oh no. Yeah. Uh, but. I don't know how long he's going to be out, but it's not, hey, he's got a tib fib. He's done for the rest of the season situation. We'll see what it looks like. But after I knew he was okay and that his leg wasn't broken, 
I said, dude, well then why the hell did you lay on the field for so long? <laughs> he thought that was funny. Well, I'm, I'm sure it, it probably felt the exact same as when he broke it. Right. I mean, that's what I'm, I think in, that's what, that's kind of what happened there. And it's a weird play. They're like passing off a twist and he kind of just puts his left foot in the ground and it just kind of rolled over on it. It, it. it looked like it hurt like hell, man. I'll just don't be straight up, but yeah, I will see when he's back. You would think it's going to be a little bit, man. Cause that was, that was not a good situation, but they need him back. They definitely need him back. Now, Caleb Schaefer came in there and he battled, got pulled a couple times, right? Push, pull, got removed from a couple defensive lines, bot, but once again, tough spot, but Hey, he did his job on the game winning drive, man. That's, that's yeah. what you're looking for. So yeah, hopefully Matoya will be back soon ish, but who knows, man? I, I mean, I, I don't know how bad that ankle is. Yeah. Hopefully I, we're going to need all hands on deck. Uh, so hopefully he's able to to find a way back at some point. No, I'm with you. Uh, two more guys week. to hit. Yeah, two more guys to hit. Andrew Rame, considering the competition, uh, and I say this about every guy, it wasn't perfect, but I thought it was his best game at OU. And now, a lot of people are going to say, well, what about the snap issues? And yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I, he, he's got to clean that up. Which I forgot all about that. How Dylan about- Gabriel's play on that one? Woo! Snagged it, plucked. Well, it out not even there. the snag, the one that went by him. Oh, and oh, he just yeah. picks it up and throws it away. And I think that's when they got the roughing the punter, and the drive kept extending. Yep, that's that's exactly right. Yeah, we talked about that on the broadcast. That's right. And so, yeah, can't have that. Those have to go away. Now, one of them, he's he's pulling, right? They they ran this little concept where he's getting out and he's pulling and kind of pulling up and for a front side backer. And when you do that, when you are a center and you are pulling ref left, you naturally pull the ball high and right. Makes sense. And this is, this is something that no one cares about, but I'm going to tell you people anyways, when you know you're pulling left like that, right? You naturally snap it harder. You pull the ball high and right. So when you're running that play, you have to think snap it left. That was always my thought. It's going to go high and right. Snap it left. If you snap it left and you know it's going to go high and right, it usually ends up right in the center. Mm -hmm. But if you don't run that and you don't rep it and you don't know you're snapping it high and right, then, but it's one of those things. It just naturally happens, right? You, you, cause you're so amped up. You're getting out, you're pulling, you're getting to show the athleticism and that ball comes hot and high and right. You got to think, snap it left, snap it left, snap it left right before you snap it just a little trick but on top of all the other things that you have to think about yeah, there's a lot of thinking in that position yeah there's a reason i am the way i am <laughs> you got to cook it in though like a lot of that stuff that it's just and it may be one of those it's like a one-off play it's not something that they major in so he doesn't necessarily have that routine down as much but they don't do that they don't yeah. do a lot of that at all so just a just a little trick now all things considered, I thought it was best. It, it it's as it's as good as I felt about Andrew Ram after a game. He was really good in pass protection. 
is really physical in the run game. I thought he did as good of a job as I've seen him on the second level, right? Working up to that second level and really hitting dudes, grabbing them. I thought he did a nice job on their linebackers, lost some battles. There's no doubt, but that's what happens when you play. I've said it a lot, but that's what happens when you play good players, Mm -hmm. right? Now, of course, I wish there were no snap issues, but they were there and you have to factor that in. But thought he did a nice job leading the group. This is as good as I've seen OU this season at targeting the right guys in the run game, having clean eyes and pass protection. Like, where are we working? Who does the back have? Like, it, it was it was as organized as I've felt about all of that. And that all starts with rain. So that's where. Yeah, there's some place they're getting whooped, right, by good players, but they're targeting the right guys. They're coming off the ball. Uh, they're getting to the right people in pass protection. There's no free, you know, free runners. I That's as good as I felt about that after a game this season, which is a big deal for me. Yeah, that's that's good. I mean, that's one of the things that I wanted to ask you about um, just in general, uh, do you feel like maybe this is a come together moment for the offensive line to some degree? Yeah, you would you would think they'd gain a lot of confidence from this performance. I told you guys, Texas Edge guys aren't any good. I don't. Did we call Sorrell's name all game long on the broadcast? No. I. I mean, Burke. I mean, they, I'm sure they made a play or two in there, but their their impact was minimal, in my opinion, and Tyler Guyton was a big reason. Now, he was a little too amped up at the start of the game, right? It, it took him a little bit to settle in. He and, he and he swung and missed a couple times, right, where he was really coming off the ball. But once again, I'm okay with that, right? Sometimes that happens. But he's got to be stronger with his inside hand, his left hand, right? And that applies to pass protection. It applies to the run game. He needs to learn like that. That has to be a weapon. That left hand has to be a weapon. But he, if he can get a better grasp of how to leverage guys with that inside hand, I just, the sky's the limit, man. He did some things in this game where he's just like floating in pass protection. It's like watching poetry in motion. And <laughs> these edge guys for Texas, it just they had no chance using his length, playing physical, just absolutely locking them out, vice gripping their ass. It was he had some out, outstanding stuff. It can still be better, and I'm hard on Guyton because I know how good it can be. Right. The talent's incredible. He's just got to he's got to continue to to keep getting better. And this next two these next two weeks, right? It, it's a good opportunity to get get the techniques right, right? Really get back to some of the basics, some of the uh, the fundamentals of playing the position. And if he can just be a little cleaner with his feet, a little cleaner with his hands, dude, it's gonna be. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch is what it's going to be. But he, uh, I thought he was, all things considered, I thought he was pretty good. Wasn't great. Wasn't as good as I know he can be, but still very solid. Good. Uh, 
I like it. I if if your two tackles are are big time strengths of of the offense and the offensive line, that's a good place to start. Like you've got to you've got to go there. You've got to be there if you want to go places in the season. And and that's a good spot that two of the better players are Walter Rouse and and Guyton. I like it. Yeah. Uh, only position we haven't hit is tight end. I've been tough on Stogner. I'm fully aware of that. But let me tell you, man, that dude played his ass off in this game. And he was asked to do some, some difficult things in the split zone concepts. A lot of collisions for 81 in this one. But he embraced them. Didn't turn it down once. Ted went and got in the mix every single time in the split zone, in the zone insert game. Had a couple nice catches, right? Work in the middle of the field, which big plays. But it's as physical as I've seen him play as a blocker. And I, I appreciated that, man. He he got after it. It was as good as he's played, in my opinion. It, like It was clear that this game and everything that comes with it, it kind of took Stogner's game to a, to a different level. And that's where it needs to stay and continue to climb, right? Through the rest of the season. Because now he showed me. Now I'm going to be on him all the time. I mean, he he's done this to himself with what he showed me in this game. Well, I'll just tell you right now. It, it, it may not vault him to a, all of a sudden, a huge passing part of this offense. I think at this point, it kind of is what it is to some degree, but the better you are blocking, the more aggressive you are in the split zone or insert game, that changes how def defenses react to you and have to be more aggressive on the edge and with the backers. And whenever that's the case, it opens up more options for the play action stuff, uh, just in general for the entire offense and for him to be a factor as well. No. Completely agree, man. Now, you got anything else about what you saw from the offense? We hit a lot. We hit a lot. I don't think so. I think we hit it all. I, I, I feel like for a lot of guys, and this is offensively and defensively, and I think there's there's been a lot of these moments throughout the season. I think that's why we continue to improve. But I feel like this is one of those games where you look at it, you look at what you what you did and who you beat, and and you also say we have a lot of stuff that we can get better. And it's not it's not like re you don't have to change anything you're doing. There's some detail stuff that we have on both sides of the ball that if we get we we can get and become consistent, we are going to be a very, very difficult team to beat. Don't forget, we won this game giving up a block punt for a touchdown. That don't happen. Right? That don't happen. So we clean up some things in special teams, offense, defense. We can route a team like Texas. Yeah. Still a lot of work to be done, but certainly, uh, certainly exciting times. And Norman, now let's get to call your shot. 
we asked you guys the number one takeaway from OU's win over Texas. This first one comes from Michael Brown. He says that this is the most physical I've seen OU play in a long time. Shout out to Schmitty. You agree with that? That was certainly in that game, but in the level of physicality in that game is always just cranked to a different level. But I I did walk out of there, and it's not just because they won the game. Like I walked out of there thinking, oh, you was the more physical team on Saturday. Totally agree. Totally agree. In my opinion, and you've heard me say this a bunch, you win that football game specifically in the summer. And I feel like this football team did that, had that mindset going in, and exceeded Texas's physicality in every aspect of the game. This last one comes from Vic Tallarico, who says, we lost the special teams battle, but still won the game. Didn't see that coming. If we can get chunk plays in the run game, we're going to be very difficult to match up against. Yeah, we we talked a lot about the importance of special teams, and we've hit on it, but let's let's go ahead and and just button all that up. Let's tighten that up, shall we? Hey, yeah. when you're punting out of your own end zone, man, you gotta one step it. Yeah. What was that? You gotta you gotta get rid of the ball, man. What are we doing? One step it. The little the wall in front of him had so many guys coming. I think they just froze and didn't block anybody. They didn't know what to do. You gotta like lay out sideways or something to try and try and slow some people down. It was just bad in pretty much every every way. It's as if we didn't expect an all out rush whenever we're punting out of the uh the shadow of our own goalpost. You gotta know that's coming. And again, that is going to cost us a game at some point. These special teams' mistakes are going to cost us a game. And the better teams we play, the smaller mistake it's going to be that costs you. It's still shocking that we gave up a special teams touchdown and won the football game. That's shocking. Yeah. We, uh, I got a feeling there's going to be a lot of special teams time during the bye week. A lot yeah. of special teams time. All right. Got a couple fun games from week six in college football to recap. But first, come kick it with John Vance Auto Group and support the Make-A-Wish Oklahoma at Midwest Lift Fest on Saturday, October 14th from noon to five, right behind John Vance Auto Group in Guthrie. A $25 per vehicle entry fee will give you access to everything your gear, head, heart desires, including food trucks, off-road obstacle course tours, retail vendors, and raffle uh, all kinds of off-roading goodies. They'll even keep those younger daredevils entertained with an inflatable carnival and with electric bikes and a custom course. The best part is everything goes toward an incredible cause as we all rally to bring wishes to life for Make-A-Wish Oklahoma. So get up and gear up for Midwest Lift Fest on Saturday, October 14th from noon to 5 behind John Vance Auto Group. In Guthrie. And attention, business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. 
If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. It's hunting time in Oklahoma. And if you're looking to buy hunting property, the land doctors can help you find the ideal ranch. They build custom hunting lodges and lakes and can turn Oklahoma's raw land into your personal playground. If you'd like to sell some land or simply want to add to your portfolio, then call Colton Cole at 405-615-7645 or visit LandDoctors.com. Alabama went to College Station and got it done. Crimson Tide win 26-20. to Ted, I thought this was a really good competitive football game between two good teams, two really good defenses for both of these teams. Uh, neither team could run the ball at all in this game. I mean, both defensive lines, those front sevens were absolutely getting after it. But it seems like the story of the game in this one is Jimbo's decision-making, right? There are some, uh, some clock management issues late, but also it appears the number one decision that has AM fans pat uh, that they're just pissed is what middle of the third quarter games tied at 17 fourth and one on the plus 45. So on Bama's 45 punts the ball. Mm. And of course, what do you think the punter did Ted? Probably shanked it or punted it through the end zone. He punted it into the end zone touchback. And I'm Bama sure he goes, impressed everyone there with how big of a leg he's got. Yeah, and Bama goes down the field after that, scores a touchdown, just a brutal sequence for AM. and I, I don't know what else to say about this game. Yeah, Jimbo had some questionable decisions, kicking the field goal or not kicking the field goal early, right? It's something that a lot of people were talking about, them going for it and turning over on downs. But – Jalen Miller was as good as he's been. And he was under quite a bit of pressure from that AM defense. He got sacked like six times, could have been sacked a lot more. But all things considered, thought he played well. Had a really bad INT, kind of like on an RPO. Uh, it's like they faked a toss and he's clear. He just turns and throws it right to a safety in the middle of the field, but had three touchdowns. He continues his deep ball. Is phenomenal to watch. I mean, he Real loads good. that thing up. It just lets it fly, Ted. It is. It's a beautiful sight to behold. But massive day for Jermaine Burton. What nine for one ninety seven and two touchdowns. Also had a fumble. But hey, when you go nine for one ninety seven and two touchdowns, that kind of cancels the fumble out. But yeah, I thought that. I thought it was a good game. It just Texas A and M. They they missed out on some opportunities, like some situations where you just have to execute. Yeah. I was, I was listening to the game on the drive home and um, just listening. It sounded like Alabama's defensive line. Well, obviously both defensive lines were really good, but it sounded like Alabama's defensive line. Uh, Max Johnson just didn't have much of a chance at all to really push the ball downfield. Like it sounded like he was under constant pressure the entire time. And, you know, we, we talked about Alabama finding better ways to play to Milrose strengths and probably changing a little bit of their overall philosophy 
to lean on their defense a little bit more. And it sounds like their defense kind of answered that call. Yeah, no doubt. Their defense looks like it's getting better. And that football team looks like it's getting better. Um, there was one play. Now, there are a couple of really cool things. Max Johnson throwing touchdowns to his brother. That's awesome. That's got to be such a cool feeling. It sounds those. like he's the only guy he was throwing to down the stretch in the football game. That's kind of so, how it seemed. Like, hey, I'm finding the tight end. Yeah. I've known him my whole life. I'm finding him. But, um, yeah, I think Bama looks like the best team in the SEC West to me. Right? And I expect Milrow to continue to get incrementally better and for Tommy Reese to continue to put him in situations that maximize his strengths. But there was a play. You would have been furious. Bama blocks a field goal, returns it for a touchdown. This guy, I think it was Dallas Turner. It was. Like, nudges a defender for AM. The defender goes flying. They call him for a blindside block and they bring it back. It yeah. was. You. Now, did he need to even touch him? No, but it was just an absurd call, in my opinion. I, I couldn't believe they called, they took a touchdown off the board. For like it was basically he like nudged him with his shoulder. It was embarrassing. What are we yeah, doing? The the broadcast was was incredulous at the call. Now, if I remember right, did they not get any points out of that drive? I they, do not remember. They either didn't get any points out of the drive, or maybe they only got. They a definitely field didn't goal. score a touchdown. Right. Um. Definitely didn't score a touchdown. So that was like a, that was a huge call in the game, and. Instead of like blowing the thing open and and A and M doesn't have a chance, like they had an opportunity to to try and get back in that football game and, and win it, but um, you know, I with with their quarterback going down and struggling to block Alabama's defensive line and maybe getting a little bit uh, not getting the fourth down early and then getting too conservative late. I I don't know what the right call is there. You know, um, it's one of those where everyone's going to second guess it, but would it re really have mattered? Was the other team just better than you? And that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. No, I'm with you. My only other thought on that game is they should find more ways to get a nice Smith the ball guys don't in electric factory. Sometimes you just don't overthink it, right? You just, you find a way to get it to your playmakers. Yeah. Game of inches, right? And Smith doesn't score. Like he barely drags the toe on the white. Instead of scoring the touchdown, and then um, what was it, McClellan, who double caught it, and that that like to end the game, it was I think it was that third down, to where he his like double was... catches it, his knees down, but he didn't have control. He stands up to get control, his knee comes off the ground. Amazing game of inches, Ted. That's interesting. That's a, hey, that's a new thing. Like, you need to put a drill in place. Like, if you ever have to go down to the ground, just to catch, one. just like bat it to yourself. Bat it to yourself to get up. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. You, any, you got anything else on that game? Alabama's coming around. I know everyone left them for dead whenever they lost uh, to Texas and then played like crap the next week, but they're coming around. They they are they're coming around, and if Milrow continues, I think this is a game where he's going to build off of. Um, look out. I'm with you. All right. Kentucky went to Georgia. Woo. And whoa, 51 to 13 beat down. Uh, we were wondering, hey, is Georgia going to look like the dominant force that we've come to know? 
And Ted, it appears Georgia is still Georgia. My goodness. This was a straight up whooping from the dogs. Yeah. This is another one I was listening to on the way home. And it sounded like a lot of it was Kentucky just couldn't get out of their own way. It sounded like, uh, why am I drawing a blank on the quarterback? Like he was doing Leary. some really sound like he was doing some really nice things out there, but they just continued to penalize themselves over and over and over. And Georgia, you know, I wondered, are they just sleepwalking until they're really challenged? And it kind of felt like it, right? Okay, here we go. Kentucky smashed Florida last week. We got a we got a top twenty five team coming to town. Think they woke up the giant a little bit. Now, early, and this game was never close, but early, Kentucky had some really dumb penalties, right? Both sides of the ball had penalties that killed drives for themselves, had penalties that extended drives for Georgia. Georgia didn't need any help. I mean, you just can't do that on the road against that football team. But here, here's Georgia's first half, Ted. Seven place touchdown, seven place touchdown, 13 place touchdown, five place field goal. What happened? Five place touchdown, three place field goal, 31 points in the first half, no punts. Mm. Just straight through Kentucky's Against defense. A, a good, solid, physical Kentucky defense. No doubt. And I thought Carson Beck was really sharp in this game, aggressive, pushing it down the field, look accurate. Ball's coming out nicely. Uh, especially the good velocity on the intermediate routes, developing a good good feel for back shoulder throws with some of his guys. Now, they must just design brilliant stuff for Brock Bowers. That's the only explanation as to how he gets as open as he does and he even dropped a touchdown in this game. It was like shocking when I saw it. I couldn't believe it. But you've got Rosemead, Jack Saint, Ra Ra Thomas making big-time plays over the top of guys. They got some playmakers and and Beck looks good, Ted. He yeah. looks good. He looks like he he looks like he's really settling in there as the as the star quarterback. Yeah, it, it seems like maybe he's not he's not too flashy, um, but he puts the ball where it needs to be, uh, highly accurate, makes good, smart, crisp decisions, operates quickly, and you know, often whenever you've got a good offensive line and you're surrounded by great skill skill position guys, you don't need to do a whole lot at quarterback, right? Just put the ball where it needs to be, distribute it to the playmakers and and let them go do the work. So um and he's got he's got really good arm talent. I think he's he's really kind of the perfect quarterback for what they've got. Yeah. And you look at the the Kentucky side of things, gotta be a little deflating, right? Yeah. And you thought thought maybe you had closed the gap a little bit. Right. You show up to Athens. All right, let's go. Let's measure ourselves against them. Let's see where we're at. Twas not close. Now had a few good drives, right? Ray Davis did some nice things. They had their most effective stuff was the screen game. But other than that, not a not a lot of positive takeaways from Mark Stoops' crew. Well, I, I agree, but I'm thinking about if you're a Kentucky fan and you thought you closed the gap, what if you're a Florida fan? Oh, man. 
That hurts. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, we are we're a ways off. Oh man. Woo. Yeah. No, I hear you on that one. That I yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. Florida fans had to be watching that game going, oh no. Hey, hey, if Kentucky goes in and, and plays well with Georgia, maybe wins that game, maybe we're better than we think. Uh-uh. No, no. Incorrect. Incorrect. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, do you have difficulty sitting for long periods of time or can't lay on your side due to pain? Well, it's a hip thing, and the only person to go see is Dr. Brandon Johnson at the Hip Clinic in Oklahoma City. No matter your age, the Hip Clinic has the experience and knowledge to help ease your hip pain and preserve your hip joint. Don't let the pain hold you back any longer. Don't just accept a hip replacement. Call the Hip Clinic today at 844-KEEP-HIP, or visit thehipclinicokc.com. And head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. It's the perfect spot to watch any big game. And with all the garage locations being open till 10 p.m. or later every night, it's the go-to late-night spot. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find locations near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. And Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Oklahoma State. I'm telling you, Mike Gundy, is he, he won't die. This guy will not die. He's Mike Myers from Halloween. Uh, it's, it's incredible. They come out, and not do they just beat Kansas State on a Friday night with Kansas State coming off a of bye week. They kick their ass. All right. They kicked Kansas State's ass up and down the football field. And Ollie Jordan, whoo, what type of game did that dude have? He looked impressive. Ollie Gordon is, he is about, I mean, he may be the best, like, physically looking player they've got. Like, that's a big back. Mm -hmm. And they, yeah, I, I've been I've been very tough on that offensive line group for Oklahoma State, and rightfully so. They have not played well, but they got after K-State up front, and I can't remember if it was which K-State safety it was, 20 or 21. The one that Gordon stiff-armed to the ground via his face, yep. that guy had a long night. It was him one-on-one -on -one in space. That ain't what you want. And he did not make very many plays in those situations. After you miss the first one, it's like a snowball effect. Like if you come in and, and it's maybe you're a little bit on your heels just to try and make the safe tackle and you get like blasted or run through. Okay, I'm going to come up and try and be more physical and they make you miss. You, you just don't, you don't really have a counter to what's going on. And you could see that unfold in real time. Yeah. But I was, I was impressed with what Oklahoma State did, and on the other side of things, Will Howard, yikes! That's 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 like, going to be one he wants to forget, man. 
that's the game. That's like that's a flashback game, right? Yeah, to like two he, years ago when he when he came in as a backup a couple of times when he was young. That's what it was like. Oh my gosh, like it was not pretty, which is shocking, right? He had been. He's coming off one of his sharper games. Yeah, and he he'd gotten some rest, right? Remember, he'd been playing hurt ever since he suffered that ankle injury against Missouri. Got some time to rest in the bye week, right? and just it did not look good. Running game wasn't good. I mean, like you mentioned, Oklahoma State they just they whooped him up front, and that is. That is not how I saw that game going. I thought Kansas State was I, – I I thought they were like the tier below OU and Texas in the conference heading into this weekend. And I it, – it just feels like OU and Texas by themselves for me right now because, I mean, if you can look that bad, I mean, what's, what's that say about your football team? That was – that was a – that was an eye-opening performance in a negative way for me for Kansas State. I agree. And, you know, it's weird that we think of Kansas State as a program that is less prone to games like this. But it's right. not really true. It almost always happens, though. It's like every almost every season there's a game, and it's like not only do they get beat, it's like – who is that playing? If you lived on Mars and showed up and flipped that game on Friday night and didn't know who Oklahoma State was and didn't know who Kansas State was, Oklahoma State is by far the better-looking football team, right? Oh, yeah. It's Especially like in those all-black jerseys. Those things are sweet. And that's a team that got ran off their own field by South Alabama. I, I, it's It's strange – how that happens. Now they played really good. Kansas state played really bad, but on that night, Oklahoma state looked like they could beat anyone in the conference except for maybe Oklahoma and Texas. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's crazy. I mean, to, to top it all off, do you see Gundy in the locker room? Uh, I, oh yes, I did. I did. I saw <laughs> getting it. Getting it, it deservedly so. They put it on the Wildcats. Yeah, I. That is not how I thought that game was going to go. Hats off. That's that's awesome. I'm Mike Gundy finds a way. You you think that he's done and everything is gone and there's no way that they could carry on and this program is going to be in such a a bad spot and they come out and they play a game like that and now all of a sudden they become a you look at their team a little bit different and they're a dangerous football team to knock someone off that you would have thought a week ago is a, is an easy win at Oklahoma state. No doubt. West Virginia example. Like yeah, a week ago, I'm saying West Virginia's going to cruise it uh, when they play Oklahoma state. Now you second guess that. Oh, there's no doubt. Is West Virginia the third best team in the big 12? I, I don't know. I think that changes on a daily basis. I'm with you. All right, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? The University of Southern California. Now, I know they won the football game, but oh, we're watching Oklahoma in the past is what we're watching, right? Isn't it the exact same thing? I 
just I barely mean, that, find a way to beat teams that you should smash? That was, I mean, that was at home. And Arizona is not very good no. at all. That was, and they were down like now, but the end of that game, I will get to it. How, how Jed fish doesn't go for two in the first overtime blows my mind. I don't know how you do that if you're him, but yes, Ted, Caleb Williams is awesome. Uh, they're scoring a lot of points. They're also giving up a lot of points and they they do not appear to be a physical football team when I watch them. That's that's my takeaway when I watch them. It's like it's about speed and finesse and Caleb Williams being incredible. I feel like USC is like if you took Caleb Williams off of that football team, they might be the one of the worst teams in the Pac-12. Which say what you want about that, like just eliminate that. They may be, they may easily be the worst team in the Pac-12, right? Uh, if you watch the plays that Caleb Williams makes on a snap by snap basis, it is like insane what he does on the football field. Well, just He's think like, about the play they ran in overtime. I wish I could. That's the thing I started laughing about a second ago. I was watching the game and I'm like, I asleep on, I was like, okay, they're going to kick the field goal to win it. Finally, I can go to sleep. And they're like, it's like, I think it's a timeout and I'm on the couch and my eyes are just, and I'm about to fall asleep. And the announcer goes, it's blocked or it's no good. Whatever it screams. And I like, wake up. I'm like, oh my God, I quit. I'm going to bed. <laughs> They ran like swinging gate with and it, it got to the two point shootout, which I'm kind of like everyone else. I kind of hate it. I don't, I don't like it, but it is what it is. It's the rule. And of course they just run some ridiculous play. And somehow Caleb Williams makes something out of nothing. And yeah. He's incredible. Jetfish missed the opportunity. You had one play to go win the football game on the road against the top 10 team. I don't know how you kick the extra point in that situation. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Now I understand he's thinking, "Hey, we were we were the better football team for a lot of this game. The other team's got Caleb Williams, dude." Yeah. It comes down to one play. Just go win the game. Go yeah. try and win the game, and you can live with the result. Now you got to live with this. Not doing it. I'm sorry. And I know I'm not saying anything just groundbreaking here, but that is not a top ten football team. Oh, no. They ain't close to a top 10 football team. Their quarterback's really good, though. Oh, he's like runs. He's so fun to watch. It's ridiculous. Throws like this 30 yards downfield that is like right on the money. It's incredible. Crazy good. Defense. He And he also seems like, I know there's a bunch of USC fans that are massively annoyed. He seems like maybe he's annoyed more than anyone. Yeah. Like, hey, can we get just a little defense? Like just a little bit, please. <laughs> it's we'll see. They're, they're the really tough part of their schedule is is right around the corner. So we'll we'll see what that team's made of. Uh, they ain't gonna win any of them. I just 
them having Caleb Williams, it just has me sitting here going, okay. I mean, how how special can he be in some of these? And can the defense get a turnover here and there? I don't, I don't know. But yeah, I don't think I think anyone that has watched USC has the same thought that that's not a that's not a true contender. Right. It, even as amazing as Caleb Williams is, that's not a true contender this season in college football. Just you not. Just, you can't live like that. You, you right. Just, you cannot consistently live like that where one guy pulls a rabbit out of a hat 80 times a game. <laughs> he's, he's so good, though. Oh, my gosh. I know it. All right. Let's get to my winner and loser. But first, elevate your tailgate with Chapel Supply and Equipment in Oklahoma City. Chapel Supply and Equipment has generators and inverters on hand that will give you all the power you need so you can take your tailgate to the next level. They've also got top-of-the-line heaters to keep you warm during those cold tailgates later in the season. They're Oklahoma-owned and operated. Elevate your tailgate by calling 405-495-1722 or visit chapelsupply.com. That's C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L supply.com. And First Fidelity Bank knows how to keep fans like you happy. With more than 50 awards in the last five years, including Ford's Best In-State Bank, the Oklahoma's Community Choice Awards, and the Journal Records Reader Rankings, it's clear that they are Oklahoma's number one pick for quality banking. And you can find that level of outstanding service in everything FFB offers. Open an account at an award-winning bank today at ffb.com. First Fidelity Bank, go where you mess that up. Here we go. Take two. First Fidelity Bank, we go where you go. It's a great line, and I messed it up. I'm sorry, FFB. Head to opolisclothing.com for our podcast merchandise and the best OU gear out there. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. All right, for my winner of the weekend, give me Louisville. I don't want to hear the excuses for Notre Dame. Yes, they played two really emotional games that came down in the last couple of plays against Ohio State and Duke. But when you are Notre Dame, you know you're going to get everyone's best shot. It's like playing at OU. It's like playing at Ohio State. You know when you show up. You're getting that team's best shot. And Louisville just outplayed him, especially in the second half. Just outplayed him. And Notre Dame did not make the plays they needed to make late in this one. Hartman was under quite a bit of pressure, right? Ends up with three interceptions in this game. A couple of them just bad throws. I mean, bad throws. Thought he played pretty poorly. But meanwhile, Jack Plummer thought he was really efficient. Did a nice job moving within the pocket, buying some time, delivering the football to different guys. And then Jawar Jordan was ripping off long touchdown runs late. (laughs) And as I watched that game, the back half of it, thought Louisville wore Notre Dame down. Right? And it looked like a hell of an environment there for the Cardinals. It was... It was impressive, man. And the way that Louisville's defense shut down that Notre Dame run game, Ted, we know how important that is for what what they want to accomplish offensively. Audric Estime, he was a non-factor in this game. I mean, Louisville's defensive line took, took it to Notre Dame's offensive line. Got after Hartman, shut down the run game, man. That was impressive stuff from Louisville's defense. 
Well, if 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 you thought Louisville was going to win, you probably didn't think it was going to look like this, right? To where they're controlling the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And it's interesting that Hartman, I, I think he's a good quarterback and I think he's got some good capabilities, but he's starting to feel like one of those guys to me. And I hate to say this and maybe I get hammered for it, but it's, I feel like it's kind of Quinn Ewers like to where if everything is perfect, you get some really good play. If things break down and it's not all perfect, you start to get turnovers and and poor decisions and not it doesn't look nearly as good. And that's a lot of quarterbacks are that way, but that's what separates the good from the really good. Like we're talking about Caleb Williams. He's fighting through some type of meltdown on almost every single play that he has to overcome. That's kind of what I'm talking about. And I'm starting to see some of that with Hartman, right? Is that, do you get no, the same I, thing? Yeah. Like he, you know, we, he is not, now he's doing some really good stuff, right? But the best quarterbacks, you know, they deliver it accurate footballs when they feel the pressure, right? You're talking about what separates those guys. And yeah, he had some really, really bad throws when he was feeling the heat from Louisville. Uh, and that, those were those were huge plays in the game. Yeah, they got to protect him better. Yeah, absolutely. But you look at it, man. Jeff Rom back at Louisville, six and zero. Notre Dame had won thirty straight against ACC opponents. That's crazy. And Louisville That's... said, "Not up in here." <laughs> I'm not How sure is... what's going on with their midfield logo. It's like that a cardinal in a sweater. Right. Doing didn't the Heisman they, pose. Didn't they lose to Clemson two years ago? I, it's what the article said. What do you want me to do, Ted? I don't know. I just remember Clemson beating them. Uh, Is it maybe it's one. a regular season situation? Did they lose uh, to him in the ACC championship game? No, they lost to him in the regular season whenever Trevor Lawrence was down. Let's look I, at it. Or uh, here, let, I'm going to read it straight. From no, the article from ESPN, I, well, I, that's where I that's where I took the note from. I also saw last night on ESPN, like whenever they're doing their college football roundup, it said Oklahoma is five and zero for the first time since two thousand eleven or two thousand and nine. I was like, wait a second, no, we were five and zero. We were nine and zero in twenty twenty one, and we're not five and zero. We're six and zero. <laughs> Maybe the AI that they're using is it's not working. It's taking a nap or something. This says Notre Dame lost for the second time in three games. It had won 30 straight games against Atlantic Coast Conference opponents dating to 2017. No. Incorrect is what you're saying. Incorrect. Well, I don't know. I just remember... DJ Uyunglele going in and throwing for like four touchdowns or something crazy. Maybe they lost that game. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Who cares? Uh, who cares? Moving but on. <laughs> yeah, Marcus Freeman in it. Interesting conversation now about Marcus Freeman. Like losing to Ohio State's one thing. 
getting handled by Louisville is another thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh I I undoubtedly think that that will spark some conversations among the Notre Dame faithful about Freeman's future there. Uh they got a get right game coming up against USC. Oh wow. Wow. Okay. We'll see how it goes for Someone's USC's got, got the better quarter better quarterback. I know that. Yeah. All right, for my loser of the weekend, there's only one choice here. What are you doing, Mario Cristobal? Coaching malpractice. Coaching malpractice. If you didn't see it, Mario Cristobal cost cost this team a football game. Uh, and who knows what it will mean for their season as a whole. All Miami to do. Here's the situation, people. All Miami had to do was take a knee and they win the game. Georgia Tech had no timeouts. It was third and 10. Miami snapped the ball with, I don't know, 31, 32 seconds left on the clock. For those of you that don't know, the play clock's 40 seconds long. All they had to do was get in victory formation, take a knee, and they win the football game. They remain undefeated. Instead, they inexplicably run a play. Looks like they they hand off split zone. The running back, Don Cheney, he's like fighting for extra yards. Like he's got to score a touchdown or something. Like he's at the goal line. I don't know what was happening. Ball gets stripped. Maybe his elbow was down. Don't care. Shouldn't have been happening in it anyways. And all he had to do was fall on the ground. And the game's over. But never should have happened. Because they should have been taking a knee. That's on Mario Cristobal, Ted. He fumbles. Georgia Tech gets back, gets it back, and I'm sitting there going, okay, well, maybe they go down. They get a field goal. We're going to overtime. Oh, no, no, no. It gets worse. It gets so worse. Two massive back-to-back plays for Haynes King. Finds Rutherford. Miami defensive back just, I don't know, gets lost. I don't know. It just misplays the ball in the air. I don't know what happened there. But Georgia Tech had... They had 10 seconds left to go in the game. 44-yard line. If you're Miami, Ted, what's your thought process in that situation? 44-yard line, 10 seconds to go in the game. Right? Georgia Tech needs a field goal to send the game to overtime. What are you thinking as a defender, as a defense? You, I, I put 10 guys in the end zone or on the goal line, I guess. I don't know. Just don't let them score a touchdown. That's it. Don't let anyone get behind you. That's all. That's it. And what does Miami do? They let a guy run behind the entire defense. Haynes King moves, rolls the pocket to his right, and Christian Leary is running behind everyone wide open for a game-winning touchdown. All Miami had to do was take a knee. They win the game. Instead, they lose on the last play of the game in hilarious fashion. You could put in 11 defensive backs if you want to. You don't need to rush the passer. There's no reason to even rush. There's no reason at all. You just put everyone back. Don't score a touchdown. Whatever. And what's nuts is this happened when we was at Oregon, too. Game management is not Mario Cristobal's strength. Recruiting guys to play at the line of scrimmage? Okay. He needs a guy. I'm sure he has a guy. He needs another guy. 
whoever's his guy's not doing a good enough job. There's got to be someone screaming in his ear. We have to take a knee. We have to take a knee. We have to take a knee. How that happens, I do not know. Did you hear what? I think it was Hasselbeck on the call. Yeah, yeah. Who I don't know who was on the call, but he was roasting him for the entire like back half of that exchange. They they score. Georgia Tech scores that touchdown right after the celebration. I wrote down the quote. That's one of the biggest coaching mistakes I've ever seen at this level in my lifetime. <laughs> I mean, that's how bad it was. It was well, he was saying it before they even ran the snap. Yeah, like, like why are you snapping are they, it? Why are, are you running doing? it? Are they crazy? What is happening right now? They hand it off, and the fumble happened. He's like, yeah, you could, you knew that was going to happen. You could see it. Like, someone get a hold of this guy. It's like the announcer in Tin Cup. It's like, remember when the guy in the, in the truck is like, would somebody grab him and tell him he doesn't have to hit a ball from there? What is he doing? <laughs> I, that was... I mean, it's all on Cristobal. And there, there's a lot of other things that happened in that football game. Take it out of your players' hands. Take it out of your hands, man. Take it out of their hands. My, that the is... funniest thing was that picture, that tweet was like 30 seconds left, I think, and it was third down, and they were about to snap the ball, and it's like, yes, Miami loses this game. Unbelievable. <laughs> Georgia Tech didn't have any timeouts. No timeouts. Just lay on the ground. Has he – did he – has anyone – Heard from him after the game? He said they should have taken a knee. <laughs> That's what he said. We should have taken a knee. Yeah, we know, Mario. What in the world, man? Uh, did you see the beer come flying onto the field as the uh, Georgia Tech player went into the end zone? Uh, how he what was uh, the spread in that game? I don't even, it doesn't matter, but. There's so much, there's so much bad that happened in that last sequence for Miami. It's incredible. I mean, incredible. Birthday shout-outs time. Welcome to the world. Chandler Grace Whitlock. Happy fifth birthday to Camille Hewitt. Also, welcome to the world. Late edition right here. Welcome to the world. Ryder James. Happy 18th birthday to David Hutkins. Happy 18th birthday to Aubrey Hudkins. Happy 34th birthday to Matt Thorne. Happy 37th birthday to Logan Morris. Happy 43rd birthday to Joe McKim. Happy 49th birthday to 1010 Tina Ripple. <laughs> Happy birthday to Ryan Palmer. And on that note, episode 360 is in the books. We'll have a new co- new podcast dropping on Wednesday. It's a bye week, so we'll be handing out our mid-season awards. Yes. Yeah. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Series 6 and Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a fantastic start to your week. I know you're all going to be smiling ear to ear, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Take care of each other.